Welcome to the Conversation on Money podcast. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and you've guessed it, this is where we talk about money. And it is my mission to empower you, to help you make the best financial decisions possible. Why? Because money is a tool, life is for living. Let's go. All right, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode on the podcast. And uh, look, I'm recording this midweek through the week because like, well, actually not midweek, it's Thursday in waiting for this Monday, but the the markets have been an absolute bloodbath this week or last week, this week, <laughs> as I'm recording it, but last week for you listening to this. And uh, let me just start off by just calming everybody because there are a few people that I know, actually a bunch of people that I know who are looking at the markets thinking, oh my God, I want to get out. Um, really have to be, you know, we've got to take the rough with the smooth guys. So please don't panic. It is one of those things. Trust me, I also do want to cry sometimes because my Tesla stock is down terribly and it's painful to watch those numbers. But that's because I'm watching those numbers. I think if I could leave you with anything in this intro before I get onto my guest, it's this. A loss is not real until you cash it in. So are profits. They're not real until you cash them in. So please, yes, it's been difficult. Yes, it's been a bloodbath but please don't let that deter you. Just uh, keep the faith, stay the course. And in the long run, everything is going to be absolutely fine. And this brings me on to this episode of the show. It is a Women's History Month. And I have actually someone who's been on the podcast two times before. She is my accountability buddy and my co-host on the Tap Into Extraordinary podcast. Lena, welcome back. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Three times lucky. I know this, at this point it's like a luck charm on the podcast. I make a regular appearance every few months. Yeah, but you're a good guest though. And you uh, you always have some good things to say. And actually the feedback that we get as well when we have guests on the show as well is pretty good. So you were the first person that I thought about when it came to this kind of conversation this month. And by the way, guys, what I want to do, I'm not going to be able to do it for every single episode, but what I want to do is obviously because it's Women's History Month, is have more female voices on the podcast. Um, so there's a few that I've got lined up, well, feelers that I've put out, waiting for them to come back. And if we can't fit them in in March, then we'll fit them in um, throughout the year as well. But I think diverse voices are really important on this journey. And I kind of wanted to speak to Polina today because I know that, you know, she's my accountability buddy and we often speak quite a bit. And the last year has been quite challenging. And I believe everybody will be able to relate to that, to that idea. However, even through challenges, progress can be made. And I just wanted to have Lena on just to give her, uh, we're going to talk about how she's found things and how she's moving towards her goals. Because regardless of what we're going through, goals sometimes are still there to be achieved and conquered. It's really just about our approach to it. So I don't know anyone better to be able to share some of this stuff. And I know that she's got a few things that she can share and she's been doing herself. And I hope that more than anything else, it inspires you listening to this to hopefully take action on your own and, or at least stay the course, just like investing. It's a bloodbath, but stay the course. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more important than ever to have those financial conversations. And I know you have them on a regular basis, weekly, uh, and the last year has definitely been a turbulent one for probably a lot of people. Uh, I think as much as there's many people who have gained a lot, if you were prepared for the financial downturn that we experienced at the start of COVID. So if you 
were prepared for it and had some savings and managed to invest in the market, it was probably you're probably very happy now with the decision, financial decisions you've made. But equally, there's a ton of people out there who were severely impacted by the pandemic. And I think I have been lucky to be one of the few that may not have necessarily benefited at the start of it, but um, in terms of investments, from the investments point of view, but I definitely benefited from the fact that I kept my job and the fact that I turned out to work in one of the few industries that seem to be recession-proof at times where everyone's stuck at home. So I work in gaming and gaming, as you can imagine, exploded. I mean, we went into lockdown across the world. Uh, people started spending more time consuming content, watching TV, watching Netflix, and playing games. Because I can only imagine if you're a working parent, there's only so much homeschooling you can do before you need to do some work as well. And those children need entertainment. So, yeah. And they probably end up on Warzone or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think there's parental controls there, mm. but um, I, I do know that like every single game across the board, probably so like uh, skyrockets, uh, rises in terms of like traffic. And like mm -hmm. we, we did see that um, in the brand that I work for as well. And it was... I think at first I didn't it was very hard to even like take the time to step back and like realize that we are in a pandemic because contrary to everyone who may have had more time on their hands when they were stuck at home my role absolutely not only did my work uh explode at the start of the pandemic but also I moved into a global role which meant more responsibilities different time zones um so I wouldn't say necessarily I was impacted negatively financially at the start of the pandemic. Um, if anything, for the business that I work for, it was a good year. However, um, my very own family like was very much impacted by it. So my family has a retail business in Bulgaria. And when the pandemic started, Bulgaria was very quick to shut down everything. They, <laughs> they were one of those countries, you're going to laugh at this, in contrast to the UK, but they had five cases of COVID and they shut down the entire country. Mm -hmm. They were not messing about the minute they found out. They didn't even need to know what it is. They were already closing everything. Um, and as a result of that, my family was actually had to close their business for nearly like two and a half months. Mm -hmm. And then we had to have some not so pleasant conversations as a family. Uh, I say not so pleasant because anyone who's ever tried to teach their parents, the elderly, <laughs> which are usually treated with a lot, obviously always treated with a lot of respect, not usually always treated with a lot of respect in my culture. If you have to teach your parents about finance and like you have to teach them about savings and the importance of emergency funds, which is something, oh my God, I have bragged on to my mom for years. I have nagged her to have an emergency fund to um, prepare for like bad days because you just never know what will happen. I think we needed a pandemic for my family to understand the importance of an emergency fund and to actually save and to like, I'm extremely proud of them. They have had probably a more 
interesting financial journey than me in the last year because of how quickly their mindset had to shift from you're so used to like having a business that you've run for 28 years, never, not even in the 2009 recession, were you forced to close the business and no work outside of your control to now after 28 years, 29 years of running a business for the first time ever, she had to close the business and actually think about like what happens if we don't make any money for three months. And when the whole family, it's a family business, so the whole family is reliant on that business. All of a sudden it was like, okay, so I'm the only person still working in this family. Mm. Um, I mean, on that then, because I'm interested to know, because on last week's show, we had Lee Harold on, and we, he was talking about um, ensuring that people are able to stay safe and not fall victims of, of fraud. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about uh, having conversations with elderly parents, grandparents, and stuff like that around finances. How easy was it for you to broach that conversation of, by the way, mom, you need to have an emergency fund this is what an emergency fund is. Was that a difficult conversation to start? How did you broach it? Oh gosh, it was definitely difficult. Uh, I think we had to, so I went, the way I handle crises is I go into like action mode. I'm like, okay, what can we do to mitigate potential damage? So I went straight into action mode and I think I spent about a week consistently calling my mom and asking her to sit down with me and make a list of all their expenses as a business and as a household, mm-hmm. just so I can prepare in the worst case, because we didn't know how long they'll be closed for, if they are um, closed for a prolonged period of time, just so I know what would be required of me to support the family. Because if you're an immigrant child and you work abroad, you know, for, as a matter of fact, that if anything ever happened to the family, it's your job <laughs> to take care of them. Yep. Not even just as an immigrant child, like. Um, I would not be where I am now if it wasn't for my parents. But it was very unpleasant for my mom, who, which is shocking because, as I said, she has run a business successfully for like nearly 30 years, uh, nearly as old as I am. And she has run a business successfully for 30 years and she did not have anywhere to be seen a list of all her expenses in one place. She's like, you just take it for granted when you have a business that's working you pay your bills, you don't think about, like, you save some, you spend some, like, you don't really think about, like, if you had to add up all your expenses, how much they are a month. And when we did that list, which I said took me a week to uh, just about, like, sit down and have it, it was a very painful, like, I think difficult and a a big painful process of, like, getting that information out of her. And I just had to position as in, I'm trying to help and I need to know what we are in for because like we we may potentially have a whole household depending on one income and i was extremely grateful to like have a job at the time bearing in mind i was actually going through like contract contract renegotiations of my own because i was a contractor at that period so i was also concerned there may be a point where even i may be without a job and then it gets even scarier so because of that i went into like action plan we need to get ahead of it as much as possible and even after we get out of it, when everything's reopened, we need to take this emergency, like your emergency um, 
funds very seriously because I already had one and I'm so glad that I have been listening to your podcast and I already had mine set up. So the worst case was I would have had to use mine to support the family. But I think having that in place definitely gave me a bit more of like, yes, it's stressful. It could potentially like drain all my savings, but at the same time it could be worse. I could mm-hmm. have or had a job or not had the emergency fund that I had. Happy to report a year later, my mom has an emergency fund, nearly six months emergency fund. And um, so we're definitely making progress. We have, and I think that whole experience opened the doors to having like more in-depth conversations about finance in my family to then talk about, okay, not only do we have that. And really funnily, like not only did the pandemic happen, but in the summer, um her car or like her boiler broke down and it was like a huge expense and i'm like she needs that emergency fund why we have the emergency fund and she was like yeah it all makes sense now i don't know how i didn't have it before and i'm like it it's hard to approach this conversations with parents but it's so worth it because once they start seeing the benefit of it i think they're a lot more receptive to like learning from you which as i said for someone who's a business owner and successfully run a business and a family for so long like it's not easy for mom any parent to take advice from your child child yeah absolutely it's about like positioning and like we're working in this together we're a family and equally just showing them the benefit and obviously i couldn't have requested for her boiler to break down Mm -hmm. but when it did i was like oh perfect timing to teach that lesson of the importance of it and yeah. that then opened the door for like bigger conversations like debt do we have any debt how do we handle that like how do we make plans to repay that talking going back to like we have a mortgage in bulgaria like a property mortgage going back to the bank starting to renegotiate maybe like is there a better loan is, can we remortgage like you just open the door to so much um to like much bigger financial conversations, conversations yeah we've never had before and i'm like 30 years old <laughs> so um it was i think probably not easy to start at first but definitely would recommend to like everyone doing it because if anything this year has taught us is that like you the basics are so important like you yeah. could hand on like can't express and stress enough how important the basics are you mentioned something back then around your your mom had run the business for such a long time that she just didn't really kind of just like no money comes in it's cool like yeah yeah, yeah, you use it when it's there and stuff was she surprised at what the the numbers turned out to be once they were written down yes (laughs) by all means i think it was shock and horror i think this is why she was avoiding doing the list in the first place Mm -hmm. because she knew there's a lot of them and they would add up quickly but I have to say, even for me, it was like a staggering number when I found out how much it is. It was also a sense of gratefulness at the same time, because now that we are out of it and she's able to work again, I think she's very grateful about the fact that all these years, as hard as even the recession in like Bulgaria was the previous recession, um, as hard as even that was, because at the time I do remember it was quite bad, um, She's quite, I think she is given her a sense of appreciation and gratefulness that despite all of this, she never had to question like whether she could pay her bills. Mm. She was always in a position as big as those expenses were to cover them. And it's only now that she's been forced to look into it. So I think it works both ways to give her a sense of appreciation of 
the fact she's doing really well actually in the wider picture yeah but at the same time there was the initial shock of yeah those are some big numbers that go out every month and if you're in a country like bulgaria where there was no mortgage breaks when COVID happened there was no like no bills got paused basically during COVID. and even if you're closed you still have like to pay insurance yeah. you still have to pay all these things and yeah i think that was quite the quite the um facilitator for a lot of the learning that then um i think we underwent as a family about our like finances i think it is the case though all the time that you know sometimes we do intentionally avoid um yeah. certain things we know that uh, we don't really want to know what's behind that door we just be like yeah mm-hmm. It's okay, just walk past it. We know it's there, but we'll we'll tackle it at some point. And it's great that, you know, you have an opportunity, regardless of whether it's due to a pandemic or not, to kind of open that door and see mm-hmm. what's behind it so you can actually deal with it at the given yeah. time. And I think there that's it's a difficult conversation to have, but it's a really, really worthwhile conversation yeah. to have regardless. And that kind of leads me on to kind of like you, because I know that you've been through a lot of like transitions, obviously through the year you've done obviously uh, contractual renegotiations. Mm -hmm. And the first episode that you were on on the podcast was all about, you know, women in the workplace and, you know, the need for women to demand more from employers and actually negotiate a fair fair wage, a fair salary. I'm interested to see where you are now from when we first spoke on that first episode and actually maybe have a little bit of hindsight around how this past year has been for you in relation to your goals? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say my salary is bigger than the first time I was on this podcast. <laughs> so I don't just say it. I actually uh, acted on it that women should be demanding what they're worth at the workplace. So um, Peter is a, gla- is a great motivator because he also pushes me on the regular as my accountability buddy. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's just this whole year, um, was about like grabbing the opportunities that come our way. And I think even with the whole Tap into Extraordinary podcast, it was all about like, okay, yes, the world is in chaos and it's spinning out of control, but what can we do to, um, still leverage the fact that we have jobs and just do something out of the time that we have at home? Like we would never have so much spare time ever again. I promise, I just don't see it ever mm-hmm. happening in our lifetime again. And it was, I always have this thing, which is FOMO. Wait, it's not the FOMO that you think of, it's the FOMO of missed opportunities. So the mm-hmm. fear of missed opportunities. And I literally live that every day where I am scared that I am not fulfilling my full potential. I would say average and um i'm missing opportunities so when the whole thing started it was a bit chaotic in my life because as i said work all of a sudden exploded and every brand and every person under the sun wanted to be involved in gaming all of a sudden um so i was working some crazy hours and also i did have some of my own challenges like physically and mentally when the whole pandemic started uh, for the first time in my life, I actually had to like this really seriously look into my mental health. Um, and I think it was definitely not an easy shift, but in retrospective now, looking back at the last year, it's probably been the most 
productive year of my life to date. I have done more in the last year than I have done probably for the last, I don't want to say five, but like three years combined Mm -hmm. uh, in that space. And yes, it's been a lot of hard work. I'm not going to say that I was watching Netflix every day and doing nothing and it just so happened. But um, I have seen myself grow so much in every area of my life. And I think the other thing I lost with COVID, the arrival of COVID was the the fear of not going after what I want. It kind of like made me think like, okay, it's now or never. Nothing Mm -hmm. is granted. Tomorrow is not granted. Your freedom is not granted. Like what is holding you back? And now that you have all this time on your hands, like just go after what you want. What's the worst that can happen? Like you would fail and then you would learn and you would get back up and learn some more and try some and try again. Like I, um, yesterday I was reading something and I was like, you know how people say cash is king in finance? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think failure is king in personal growth. It's literally the one thing that you cannot go without if you ever wanted to grow and achieve anything. It's like inevitable. Like just accept it that you're going to fail. The moment you accept that and you accept that, you will get imposter syndrome. You will get um, that fear of failure. The moment you accept it in like, it's a natural reaction. It's just an instinct. It's how we are programmed. Like it becomes much easier to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And I think... In the last year, as I was obviously navigating family finance and trying to like educate my family on finance, I also had to, a big part of my focus was like my own finance. I was like, okay, so I entered this pandemic in a good place, I would say, like having, well, not so great place because I was actually really, I didn't know whether I would have a job in June. So my Mm -hmm. contract at the time was finishing in June and it was literally the first few months of the pandemic. My only hope was that, well, I'm at least I'm in an industry that's thriving. So if there was anyone that would get a new contract, it should be us. So like it should be me in this industry, in this job that is in demand right now, um, which definitely helped. Um, so then even just being at home, I was like, okay, now we are home. We need to save as much as possible. This is also your opportunity to save as much as possible because we didn't know when we'll be going back into the world. Uh, and we know living and breathing the air in London is expensive on its own, yeah. not actually going out or just having a social life. So um, that was the first thing that came across my mind. And then it became like, how can I now that I have spent when I first came on the podcast, I think I was talking about how I'm still building my emergency fund and how I was still paying off some of my debts and so on. And I think it was last summer when I be- when I officially had six months of emergency fund, I paid off all my student loans. So like I have zero debt right now, which was a huge achievement like for me just to pay off that student loan on its own and to say I have zero debt next to my name. Everything I own is in green. It's not in red. There's nothing in red. There's nothing holding me back. That felt like a huge sense of achievement and relief. Um, And then I think um, just being taken to the next level then thinking even more, okay, so now I have the basics right what is next steps to do so just getting more savvy with my pension that's one of my goals this week how can I 
like I've already maxed out. So last year, another thing I did was change my pension contributions. Like after listening to some of your podcasts and YouTube videos, I decided that it's time to actually start contributing more. And I know when you do that, like it seems like a lot. Oh, I'm paying 200 pounds more towards my pension. It seems like a lot at first. In a month time, you will not even notice that you've increased mm. it. Like you, you really wouldn't. Like it takes that long to, for you to get used to. Um, and I think the moment the student loan disappeared off my payslip, I was like, okay, now I can actually increase my pension contribution. And it would literally be just that difference. I wouldn't mm-hmm. even notice it. I think it was like a tiny bit more. Um, so I did that. And then investments, I was like, okay, I didn't leverage the first opportunity during COVID. But it's never too late. And I think for me, I know you can invest and equally pay debt off at the same time. But for my own peace of mind, I wanted to pay off all my debts, have a good, stable emergency fund. As I mentioned the first time I was on the podcast, for me, emergency fund is so important for my own sanity. When you leave away from your family and you don't really have a... You don't really have a plan safety B. net. Yeah, no, you don't have a safety net, do you? It's just you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that is extremely important to just allow me to sleep at night without worrying about losing my job or without worrying about um, just being homeless or not having anywhere to go. Yeah. Although, like, it would seem like I'm very far from being homeless right now. For me, that's the thing. There was a few years ago when I did, lost my job and I didn't have the emergency fund. I was that close. I was struggling with my basic rental payment. So it's not that far off as you think it is. Yeah, I say that all the time. It's like, you know, any one of us at any given time, if we're not prepared or not or not planned and have contingencies in place, it will literally a paycheck away from being homeless. And that's yeah. one of my biggest fears. Um, personally as well i do have to ask this actually and you know before we we get on to the last question you things of in context maybe to a lot of people that may be listening to this you you found yourself in a, in a situation that has turned out to be stable you mm-hmm. come towards the end of a contract negotiation last june you've managed to obviously get into a, a, a contract now been able to renegotiate that you've had the the, the need to have a conversation with your parents around emergency funds, securing their finances and stuff like that, all whilst dealing with COVID and contract negotiations and making sure that you're okay. How do you feel? Has that affected, did that affect you mental health-wise at all, that whole concoction of that circumstance? Um, by all means, yes. So um, I touched on this very briefly, but now you called it out. Um, I did actually struggle a lot with mental health in the first lockdown. And probably I only stopped going to therapy like a few weeks ago. Uh, so for the last year, I have been going to therapy. But um, And I only started as a result of COVID. I, I wasn't someone who used to go to therapy before that. Um, and it's very interesting because there was so much going on at the time and I didn't even realize it until I spoke to my therapist and she was like, how are you physically managing all of this? 
And I think when you're so in the moment, you don't even think about it. You're just like, yeah, we just need to get through my to-do list and everything I'm responsible for, we'll get through this somehow. I'm that kind of person who would be so busy they don't even notice they're at the breaking point sometimes. And I think that was a learning curve um, during COVID because as you said, see, <laughs> you missed out a few things actually. Not only did I go into from a, EMEA to a global role, having to work much longer hours and like whole new teams, adjusting to a new role, adjusting to new responsibilities at the end of March. At the same time, gaming exploded. So it was like huge uptake, much longer hours. So much that it took me probably two months to realize that other people are bored and watching Netflix on furlough. Wow. Mm-hmm. I am working like 18 hour days every day. Um, at the same time, obviously being really grateful, I do have a job. So there was that, like where you're like, well, I can't even complain because I am, I have a job and like, it's a job that's thriving. So you can't even complain to your friends who may not be doing so well. Mm-hmm. So there was that just holding it in. You can't really complain to family because family is also at home, unable to work. So you can't really complain to your family either. So it was a bit more of like just holding it in at the same time. Um, we started talking about our podcast. I was doing loads of appearances through work at other like events and speaking. I started a postgraduate in April. I forget that, that on the 1st of April last year. So literally at, right at the start of the pandemic, I started a postgraduate at the same time. And there was obviously the whole navigation of like family finance and my own contract renegotiations, not I didn't actually know whether I would have the job until I think my contract only came in like mid-May. Before uh-huh. that, I didn't even know whether I will have it or not. So I was starting to redo my CV and considering like, do I need to be applying for jobs in the current climate? Are there any jobs out there at all? So um, I didn't realize how impacted I was until I started losing sleep where I would literally sleep two or three hours a night I think that was the first telltale sign because not only are you working 18 hour days but then you're sleeping two or three hours very quickly I was like I can't function I have not slept in days so that was the first sign and then I think just the general inability to talk to anyone feeling anxious feeling overwhelmed and I'm someone who's never struggled with anxiety before or with sleep disorders or whatever else that um it took me probably like two months I only started going to therapy in May Mm. so like I went through the first two and a half months just being like yeah there's too much to do we just need to get it done (laughs) and then we can think about how do we feel uh so it wasn't about like how how do I feel in the whole situation it was more like I'm really starting to struggle now like work is starting to ease in and I still struggle to sleep I still struggle to like adjust to this new way of living I still feel very anxious so that is when I decided to like just speak to someone and I think the reason why I decided to speak to someone as well was because I couldn't speak to anyone in my immediate circle because mm-hmm. I was that privileged person who still had a job and even though I was going through contract negotiations I was privileged on in the larger picture of everything that was going on around us, I had a job, I was healthy, and I was working from home. I wasn't even putting myself at risk. So by all means, anyone else looking at me will be like, lucky you. Uh, So I couldn't really talk to anyone else about this. So 
therapy with like, okay, that is the only person who would not judge me or who I, because it's an outsider, I can actually share it with. So I think mental health and like health overall became a huge priority of mine. I think that was another lesson. Not only is the finance super important to me, even more so after the pandemic, because you've talked about this a million times, that should have taught everyone that you cannot rely on a single source of income Mm -hmm. uh, or not have savings. Like that is literally a financial sin right there. (laughs) So you need to have those things in place. But the, I guess the byproducts of the whole thing is that was mental health and the importance of it. That um, It's so, and that is also part of the reason why we started Tapping the Extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Not because I needed therapy in in the eyes of my accountability buddy, but it was more of like creating the community of other people who would be going through this pandemic, uh, trying to still do things in a society that where a lot of people are doing less than ever, whether it's because of work or whether it's because they're unable to do what they want to, whether it's because they don't feel motivated, they don't feel physically well. I was like, it's really hard for people to be go-getters and I would argue it's easy for me, but for majority of people, it's harder than ever to feel motivated. And I really wanted that community of like-minded individuals who, despite everything, would just have that growth mindset to persevere because skilled sailors are made in rough seas. They're not Absolutely. when things are smooth and you're just gliding on the water. So, Absolutely. yeah. Thanks for sharing that because I think there's there's there are some lessons in there, and I think for many people listening to this, like everyone has suffered at some point through uh, with mental health, mental health um, through this pandemic, and it's weird because it will have different triggers for different people. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be a concoction of financial pressures, career pre- pressures, business pressures. Sometimes a mixture of all of them all together. Some yes. of them are sporadic. But it's not, it's not a taboo and it's not, there's nothing wrong with, you know, acknowledging that you have, you, that you need help and that you do need to speak to somebody and yeah. seek help in that regard. And I think if anybody, if, if, if we've learned anything through COVID, it is to kind of, you know, make sure that we take care of ourselves. If you mm-hmm. work in a business and, you know, the business has been your priority, they will replace you tomorrow if you drop for dead. So you have yeah. to take care of yourself and treat yourself as the priority from a mental health point of view from an emotional point of view from a financial point of view Mm -hmm. that is really really prudent really really important i guess i'll close on this one question for you okay which is is there one thing that you've learned over the last year that you would kind of leave as a tip for for listeners so as being your one tip for them to perhaps take away or work on or bear in mind? Um, this is going to be very topical, but it's probably because you're asking me this question now. If you, I think the answer to that question would be different every month mm-hmm. <laughs> if you ask me throughout the year. Right now, something that's been very hot on my mind, and I don't think we talk about this enough, is quality of life, irrespective mm. of who you are. What is your quality of life? And I'm saying very topical because our quality of life right now is worse than it's ever probably been. There's no 
all the joy, all the things that would bring you joy, all the things that a lot of people are passionate about, all the social elements. We're social creatures. Whether you're an introvert, extrovert, we are all social creatures. We are all meant to be interacting with humans in real life. It's how it's been for centuries. And I think more than ever, like quality of life, it's really important. And I know, I know firsthand how hard it is to achieve that in an environment where you don't really have many options of ways to like achieve that quality of life. But you still have to find ways because I think for a very long time, I was just like, growth, 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 growth. I was still in my 20s. I wanted to get as high as possible on the career ladder. I wasn't necessarily in a relationship for the last few months or the last year. So it was just like, it's all about me. It's all about my growth. It's all about my finances. It's all about like, how can I use that time to develop and to learn, uh, to improve in every possible way. Uh, And I think the one thing I realized that I maybe have lacked previously and haven't even talked about previously, and I should really considering everything I do is, it's great to do all these things, but what's the quality of life that you get? Mm. Like, what? Because that is what matters at the end. <laughs> I was talking to my auntie, so she's getting a shout out too now. Uh, like, my family are all very wise, except when it comes to talking about finance. They don't want to do that. So, that's not something we don't do in my family. But I was talking to her last week, and she said, Okay, that's amazing. So, you have this amazing job, you have these aspirations, you're halfway to saving for a house you have a podcast, you do this, you do like a hundred things next to your name. How happy are you? What is your quality of life? Would you say you have a good quality of life? And she made a good point that people in Bulgaria who earn 200 pounds may have better quality of life than me. Mm-hmm. And this was a bit of like, uh, yes, I guess so. And it's actually true. I know that for a fact because one thing that always sticks, um, sticks out when you go to Bulgaria is how happy people are. Sense of family, the things that really matter. Yeah, culture. And they earn, they're the poorest country in the year and they're always happy. If you went to Bulgaria, everyone's happy and everyone has amazing quality of life. They're constantly traveling. They're constantly with friends and family. They're constantly happy. Um, And I'm like, that is a really good point. Like, yes, we all want to earn. We all want to make a lot of money and obviously on the finance podcast i'm sure a lot of people are here because they want to make a lot of money what's that money going to give you in terms of quality of life like Mm. what is your quality of life going to be how is your quality of life going to be different when you have a million or when you have that house or when you have that car or when you have half a million in investments like is your quality of life also going to be better because if it's not are you doing it for the right reasons because as my auntie said, there will still be work and there will still be money even after we leave this world. Mm-hmm. And it's true. There will always be more things to do. And she's like, you're not going to remember that. In 20 years, are you going to remember how hard you worked in March of 2020? Or are you going to remember how, despite lockdown birthdays, you had the best birthday of your life because all your friends and family, even from a distance, showered you in love and made you feel so loved on a birthday where you didn't see a single person and like yeah yeah, she has a point (laughs) the very very wise words and they're actually very very true words as well they really be i mean like you know 
the priorities that we set in the Western world are very different to the rest of the world, definitely mm. in terms of quality of life. And you know that I know you you know that I say this, but it's the perfect segue into what I always say: money is a tool, life mm-hmm. is for living. Why are you doing this? What are you here for? What is your purpose? What do you want to achieve? Money is the tool to help you get there. That's the bottom line. It's not the opposite way around, you know. And I think if you've listened to this podcast and you found it interesting, I hope that you found some kind of inspiration or some kind of encouragement from it. This is what this is all about at the end of the day. And to certainly shine the light on other people's experiences and, uh, and journeys through what has been a difficult year. I mean, I've just realized whilst we're speaking here that this is a, this is really uh, a, a pandemic COVID podcast it started in January last year. And it, you know, Little did I know that we were actually, well, we knew COVID was around since December the year before. I started this in January. So this is a COVID uh, podcast. Yeah. And uh, it's been interesting to come on this journey and hear different people's stories. And that's what I want to do on this on this podcast even more. So I appreciate you for coming on here. And as always, let me just uh, finish this, by the way, guys. And I need to plug this because this is important. Yeah. So as I already mentioned, we've alluded to a couple of times uh, through this. Polina is my accountability buddy. And uh, we have the Tap Into Into Extraordinary podcast, which is also on Spotify and the rest of it. Go check it out. It's all about personal development. The reason why we call it Tap Into Extraordinary is because everybody has a different definition of extraordinary. So it's tapping into your extraordinary. It's focused on personal development. It's for people who want to be more, do more, whatever your interpretation of that is. Um, through this year, we have actually started an accountability circle, which is on WhatsApp. We have um, the Tap Into Extraordinary Instagram account, uh, which we do two shows a week. So we do an accountability circle on the Monday. We do Spotlight 15 on a Wednesday, both at seven o'clock. If you're listening to this and you want to see a little bit more about that, what that's all about, this conversation, the money podcast is all about money, investing. But tap into extraordinary is about that other side to it, the things that are going to help us earn that money and invest that money. So if this is of something, if this is something that you would be interested in, come and check us out on Instagram and definitely come and join us on a Monday and a Wednesday um, to talk about things that we all face. We take topics from people that we just give views on and it's a great positive place. It's all about, you know, bringing together in a room what I call radiators and getting rid of drain pipes. And if you followed me on IG and you've, you've tuned into some of those, you will know what that reference, radiators and drain pipes. But guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you found it really, really uh, insightful. Helena, thank you, as always. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I hope anyone found something that resonates with you in this episode. And please go pester your parents to sort out their finances. It's never too late. <laughs> Absolutely. And don't forget, guys, I have been nominated for Online Financial Influencer of the Year by the British Bank Awards. There will be a link in the show notes. If you want to vote for me, you get the opportunity to win £1,000 as you get entered into a prize draw. Voting ends on the 19th of April. I mean, very big company as well. May I add something in here? Uh, A tip? I don't want to be that person, but as a guest, I can say that. He can say that. I can say that. You're allowed to vote with different email addresses. Please go and vote. Let's get this guy elected and let's get let's get himself some well-deserved recognition. Because if you found this podcast useful as much as I have, it's 
I alluded to this multiple times how a lot of my financial lessons have come from this podcast and from Peter's YouTube channel. If you found a single episode relevant, he doesn't need to do that. Like he's doing that because he wants to help others. So let's get him some well-deserved recognition um, for all his efforts and like tired, let's work. And believe me, it is hard, let's work because he's probably gonna work until midnight again tonight as a normal weeknight. So let's do this, let's get him elected. Yeah, cheers, thanks for that, Polina. But yes, you can vote and the link will be in the uh, show notes uh, below. Take literally 30 seconds, I would appreciate it. But as always, have an amazing week. I will see you, well, you'll listen to me again on Monday. But remember, money is a tool, life is a living. Catch you later.